This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. We are back with part two of our Answer Your Question series. Of our, this is our April Q&A. It's being released in May. Just, you know, fucking Listen. Like, give us a break. Here. Listen. <laughs> Quarantine <laughs> we has <are>. been. <laughs> we are trying our best. Um, uh, we are getting this as much as possible. We apologize. We're sorry, but yeah. we're hanging in there. My name's Jen. And I am M, and we hope you're all hanging in there. And thank you for joining us here today. We're going to jump right into some of these amazing questions to follow up, um, follow off on part one that was released. Um, so we're going to roll into it. We're going to do it. Let's do it. All right. See, I think we should do these check-ins because I think <laughs> it'll help everyone to check in with themselves. Okay. So as we say our check-ins, I want you to all do an internal check-in. Ask yourself, how mm-hmm. are you doing today? So I'm doing okay. Like I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. Like I'm so ready. I need more space. I need to be outside well, We were more. just saying we're having very different experiences like with you living in the city and me living in the suburbs. Yeah. Which is that like – um Usually, when the weather is nice, I think you have a better time living in the city. Yes, because there's so much to do. There's so much to do, right? But, like, right now, there isn't anything. And even the parks are closed for you guys. Like, you couldn't even take... I know. Louis's very sad. Yeah, your dog, Louis, like, couldn't even go to the... He's devastating. Yeah. Um... So that's different where, like, I've been able to get out. Well, also, you know me. Like, the way I handle all everything is being, like, overly productive. So, yes. like, I was, like, redoing my mailbox. I was, like... <laughs> also, apparently, she was using a push lawn mower. Oh, I was. I mowed the lawn yesterday. Mowed the lawn. We were talking about how, like, therapeutic it was. Yeah, it was nice. Sort of like, you know when you do your dishes and you're, like, you go from seeing, like, a really dirty sink to a very clean you sink? You love that. You have, I like, do. a sink I know. thing. I do. I, I, I may have, like, a dishwashing fetish. It's fine. <laughs> We'll get into it later. Um, but I feel the same way, like, with mowing the lawn. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, like, we have a battery pack. My husband's, like, really into, like, these battery-powered things. <laughs> rechargeable, no oil. Because, you know, like, my environmentally so very great. conscious so husband. Nice. Um, and so he's, like, really – it's so so it, it's not too loud. Yeah. And um, it's nice to push. It's very lightweight. Um, yeah, it's not a Something bad time. Do. <laughs> I wish I had do. a lawn to mow. It's me, right? Like, you are – well, you, you're getting ready to move. Yes, getting ready to move. Mm-hmm. So that'll happen probably in June. Yeah. But until you're not then, packing it. No, God, no. Because you just sold the pack the day before. You'll, of course you will. Um, but but yeah, it's it's been rough. And I also think, I don't know if anyone else is having this experience, like when you don't have a reason to leave the house mm-hmm. or do anything, um, it makes you less motivated. Like if you're not doing something, you're not as motivated to do things. Yes, absolutely. Well, like, right? Like when I have a lot on my schedule, I get so much more done. Yes. But if I have like nothing on my schedule, I mean, I don't do anything. Exactly. And I'm talking to so many clients that are so hard on themselves about not being like yes. motivated in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, this is a completely different circumstance. It's okay that you're not that motivated. Like you're not going to yeah, and I think also, be in like, top shape. And I think also, like, it probably tells us that, like, as a society, we're, like, too overly productive. Yes. You know, like, and I know that, like, that was something, like, socially for me. Like, the big thing this has, like, taught me is that, like, I totally overschedule myself. And at the end of this, that is one thing I don't want to go back to. Like, that is one part of this that I want to change, which is I want to be a little bit um, 
better with budgeting my time. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Setting boundaries for Ugh, yourself. The B word. The B word. But you know what? It's interesting because you, you like you will be productive in order to ease your anxiety. Yes. Right? So like that's what works for you. Yeah. And so it's important to recognize like do what works for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if it doesn't help you to be productive. Yeah. And then just let yourself relax. I know yeah. we talk about that constantly. But, but you know. So anyway. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Yo, yeah, I'm doing good. You know, we go back and forth, Jen and I, like whenever we check in with each other, it's either like one of us is severely depressed and the other one isn't. So today I think I'm doing better. Absolutely. And you're fading. Um, but it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice that we are back and forth with it. That well, and it's not you, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, right. When you run a business together, there's certain things that have to get done for that oh business. God. Like the payroll has to go out and different things have to be done. Um, and so we need one of us functioning. So that, that's the yes, balance. Yes, I was it. not functioning today. Forgot my charger. <laughs> forgot my keys. This episode was supposed to be recorded yesterday. Yep. When forgot we tried my to do charger. Almost every piece of Jed's technology was not working. Was not working. So we're like, I guess we'll have to try. It was again like tomorrow. Mercury was just in retrograde for me. Just you, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's, let's start. Okay, let's we'll stop rambling. We have a well. We have a special guest here today, which is Louis Jen's dog. My dog's here. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how this goes. So if you hear any oh, like snarling, it's really a snort. It's, it's a it's, snort. Yeah. yeah. My dog would bark. Your snorts. He's, he's just trying yeah. to get like some air while he chews yes. his bone, <laughs> yes. and so it turns into like a weird snort. And yeah. like he snores on my head while we're sleeping. So he loves you so much. It's so nice. He's like a cat. All right, let's get started. <laughs> okay, part two Q and A. Thank you for being here. Yes. Let's do this, y'all. So. This listener asked, advice for someone in a new relationship who just began working through past trauma and feels like they're being swallowed by it. Great question. First of all, I would, whoever, if you're listening to this, please give yourself a really big pat on the back for working through that trauma. For saying, this is a part of my life I need to heal. That's a really hard thing to do. And I hope that you give yourself um, a lot of love and patience towards that recovery and healing process. So let's start out by saying that. Give yourself a big hug right now. And we're for proud anyone, of you. Yeah, for anyone who's doing that past trauma work. It's not easy. It's not easy. So that is amazing that you're able to go there. So, Jim, what do you think? First, and also know that it takes time, right? And, like, there's times where you're going to feel like you're getting a lot, you're making a lot of progress. And then there's times where you don't feel like, like you're making a lot of progress. Like, you know, growth is not linear. And so that takes time. Give yourself patience. So, um I think the first thing is really just noticing where that trauma is being triggered in your relationship, right? So like what, when is it coming up? You know, what's happening in your relationship that's triggering it? Because the more that you understand your triggers, the more you can delve into it, number one. And then once you delve into it, notice the way in which you're reacting to it and and bring that work into your own therapy or whatever you're doing to process through that trauma so that you can bring that work back into your relationship. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and the thing I always think about is like it's important when we think is that it's amazing you're going through this process and I hope you do share some of that process in that internal world if your partner, if that feels safe enough. Even, and that doesn't mean details, right? Like we have this idea that trauma work has to be about like going through details and actually a lot of research tells us that that is not accurate. Mm-hmm. So going into those details can leave us with reprocessing and re-traumatizing again. So sharing with your partner doesn't mean having to share the details of any type of trauma. It means sharing, you know, I'm having some of my thoughts about my trauma or my past come up Mm -hmm. today or I find myself 
you know, maybe hyper aware of my surroundings or hyper aware to other people's feelings, right? So like you can share your internal world without going into too many details and do like what feels safe for you. And also the hardest thing is to like not put your healing onto your partner. Yeah. Right? It is not your partner's job to do that work. It's your partner's job to love and support you while you do that work. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean them taking it on or us taking it out on them. And that is really hard to do. Yeah. And and it's saying to yourself, like, you know, this really is about me and the work I have to do. And separating it. And creating, I think, too, the more you communicate that with your partner, the more you can create a safety around the times Mm -hmm. in which you're triggered. Right? So, like, that can be part of the healing. That if you have that communication and you say, okay, this is what's happening for me. Um, How can we create safety around this where you can talk about what's going on for you and it doesn't trickle into your relationship? Mm -hmm. That's, once again, that's not something that's going to happen with one conversation. No. Or one argument or one trigger. It's an ongoing This is an ongoing process. So, don't expect to, like, have this conversation with your partner and automatically it's going to change. It's something that um, the more that you understand, the more you communicate it, the more you can create that safety in your relationship around it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, next so, one. Next one. But hey, we love you. And anyone doing, you. doing that work, I mean, good on you. And thank you for being open yes, and asking absolutely. this question. It's not easy. So next one. Advice for how to get over, in quotations, a cheating partner when you decided to stay together. I can't stop replaying, reliving it. This is a great question. It's so good because I think it's so relevant to so many people. Yes. Because it happens so much in relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a few in so there's a few things that like I always ask. Like when I have a couple that come in and and there is infidelity that was present, some type of affair, some type of cheating, um one of the questions I always ask is how did you find out about it? How did this information come out? Mm-hmm. Because that can really show a difference. If your partner came to you and said, this is a thing that happened and I love you and work through this, that's really different than finding videos on their phone or text yeah. messages, right? So one of those can, it is a type of trauma, mm-hmm. right? If we're going through a situation like this and let's see, especially if there's graphics or something that can really stay in our head or one of the other things that we'll sometimes do when we're trying to process and communicate with our partner is like we keep asking details. Well, what was it like having sex right. with them? And how many times did you have sex? And, you know, what was like, and like that actually is not helpful. I understand why people want to do it. They think it's going to it help feels them understand. Like, like this like impulsive Absolutely. need to like gain as much information as possible. Yes, right. But that can lead to us ruminating on those details. And there's two fabulous books I'd give um, for this, which is one is called After the Affair, mm-hmm. and the other one is State of Affairs, Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. And both of them talk about that going into the details of cheating is not helpful, mm-hmm. right? That it really can start to be um, a PC- PTSD thing. So what I would say is like to think about how you guys are discussing it and what's the conversation around mm-hmm. it. Right? Like sometimes we overprocess. And one of the things we have to do is if we decide to stay, it is on us to do some of the healing too. Absolutely. Right? And to be, and, and it might take time because after an affair happens, right? Our typical emotional response is like this anger, right? We're very angry, we're very sad. Um, but the tough thing is that when we're, we're constantly responding in anger, we're pushing our partners away, mm-hmm. we're pushing them farther away. Um, and so, in order to build that trust back up in your relationship, your ability to be very vulnerable with them, let them know how you're hurt, and for them to really yeah. be there for you in that. 
We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, health snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. And I think the reason we go to that place of wanting action, of wanting information why talk is because we're experiencing such grief, mm-hmm. right? And like my, my mother, who listens to every one of these episodes, and will Hello. then, t- and, and hi, mommy, and will <laughs> tell me every word I'm saying wrong, which I am. So which, they, one does, which one does she always verse, say? I always, verses? Okay, I always say verses, and she's like, Emily, that's not grammatically correct. It's verse. And so thank you for all. I the, had no clue. Thank you, mother, for paying mm-hmm. for all the years of speech therapy. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, I'm still messing it up. But my mom, one time, my mom runs a grief group and one time said, grief is betrayal. Mm-hmm. So grief is that like, I am grieving and feel betrayed by the life I thought I was going to have or the time I thought I was going to have with my partner. And, you know, 
when we are experiencing that much betrayal, we can feel paralyzed by grief mm-hmm. because they can feel so similar. So it makes a lot of sense that we want to go into action, get more information to do this, or let me go fuck your friend. Right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, sometimes we go to this place of like, I have to do something. And that's because yes. grief, we are so uncomfortable sitting in grief. It's it's one of the most paralyzing emotions. Absolutely. And, I, you know, it's, it's a way to like gain some sort of control over the situation, right? We think if we no more information we can do something about it right we tend to do that with a lot of things that we don't have control over is that okay the more information i know kind of like with covid19 yeah right the more information i know maybe i can control this when the fact of the matter is the more information you know it actually just hurts you more yeah which seems insane right and so here's the number one question i'm going to answer right now before anyone's listening to this and has this thought because i hear it all the time from everyone <laughs> i work with which is they say but shouldn't it be their shit? I mean, they're the one who cheated. Why the fuck should I have to be doing the healing? Right? Like, this mm-hmm. seems so unfair. And you're right. Yeah. Nothing about relationships is fair. It's because nothing about relationships is 50-50. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things we can do, right? So advice for how to get over it. So one of the things I'd say is really being on the same page with your partner about what this new reality is going to look like. Because you're going to have to grieve the loss of that relationship you had. And you're sort of starting brand new which can also be really successful and wonderful to have this new, more vulnerable, more open, more honest thing. So to say, hey, during this time while we're recovering from this cheating, I need to want, like if I need to know where your location is or I need to, you know, for us to be on the same page about like if you have a relationship with this other person or what sort right, of like relationship. like come up with some sort of plan exactly. together. That, and that's not you forcing in and doing it out of control it's Mm -hmm. more of setting a boundary around your relationship Mm -hmm. right absolutely and so I want you to think about that boundaries are about self-preservation ultimatums are about control Mm -hmm. so we don't want it to be about controlling someone else we want it to be about here's something that we determine together to make us feel safe Mm -hmm. right so um and you both have to be committed to working on it together yeah right because you know, if if one person isn't as committed, yeah. then it's it's not going to work. Yeah. And that and, would be something to dive into too. Well, and the other thing is I think so we can happen is like when somebody cheats, sometimes they become like too placating. Like they just say yes to anything because right. there's so much guilt. Right. But really there's a conversation that has to come, which is why did this happen? Right. And Esther Perel talks a ton about yes. that. Obviously that conversation is not something that can happen right at the beginning. No, no, because there's so many feelings. Exactly. Right? So processing the grief mm-hmm. and really working through the emotional trauma of mm-hmm. it is the first step to that and then after that to talk because because affairs don't typically happen just because someone's horny for the no, most part no usually it's about right but it's also ne- doesn't mean that like your partner hated you or there was something wrong right there might the re- just been something to work through that maybe you didn't discuss or maybe yeah you i mean one of the interesting one of the most interesting facts i've ever heard is that there's a heightened rate of affairs around birth and death right Right. And there's a reason for that, which is that we feel some type of numbness sometimes when we're grieving and when there is a birth, which is so interesting because we think people are so heightened, but I think people Mm. are so overwhelmed there can feel numb Mm -hmm. or they can feel upset that they don't feel this instant connection with their child. So there seems to be like research that there is this heightened time of cheating around these these two things, which I think for some people it can feel like 
so personal. Yeah. Like, how could you do this to me during this time, this time of this grief, the time of this birth? And really, it's because it has nothing to do with you. It yeah. has to do with the person who is cheating, them wanting to feel some type of alive when they're feeling numb. Mm-hmm. So it really is asking your partner what was happening in their inner world right. when they made this decision and feeling like you guys were on the same page about why this happened the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And how do we move on and grow, and grow from, from this? It. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Next cool. one. Tips on how to set mental boundaries. You totally skipped one. Oh, shoot. I'm so sorry. My bad. Okay, wait. Let's back yeah, it up. Everyone knows back I'm very up. anal and I must go in back order. Back it Jen. up. Okay. My okay, bad. Somebody else so- said, well, we have these organized the relationship anxiety. The next Listen, relationship. Listen, once again, it's not my week. It is not my week. Okay. How do I navigate boundaries? Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's such a good one. Yeah. Let's skip it. How do I navigate boundaries when your boyfriend's parents have none? He constantly feels obligated to do what they ask ultimately cause intention between us Oof. here's the thing sister <laughs> it sounds like it's less or mister could be a mister yes no i was well sorry i think i gave something away that it was a female that wrote this in but oh, okay. um hey here's the thing friend it actually is less about those parents doing the work and more about your partner yes. doing the work. Yes. It's more about saying, we know this about these people. We know that they don't respect boundaries. We know they um, don't set up and implement boundaries. So how do we as a partnership do that, right? Set he, boundaries he around He feels obligated and maybe that's been, you know, guilt trips or whatever have been put into life. But it's about how are you and your partner going to navigate this together knowing that you need to set the boundaries are you and your partner on the same page about it or does he just cave every time and how does it like has he learned to um have more permeable boundaries based on his family of origin right and how do those permeable boundaries um trickle into his relationship with you and i also wonder how old this person is because there's there's like a launching phase where um, you know, you you go from being connected with your family and asking them for advice and and to, um, you know, creating a relationship, creating a new family um, and how you set boundaries around that. So I really wonder how old this person is, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. that absolutely can play a factor. There's a transition point um, going from being very connected yeah. to your, your initial nuclear family. And I think sometimes that transition point happens when you get into a long-term serious relationship, serious relationship yes. right? So like maybe he hasn't had to navigate these right. boundaries and put them up before, but now that you're in the picture, he has to in a different way. Right. So it's a learning process It for is, him. right? And so it's like keeping it, and you're going to have to say like, you know, you're going to have to sort of handle your resentment towards his parents. Right. Because you can't have all these anger towards them because they're just doing exactly what they've always done. And it might isolate you in some Mm -hmm. way for it to come out as anger, for it to come out as resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you want to do is really create a secure bond between you and your partner, set those boundaries up around your relationship and communicate, you know, very in a very healthy way, communicate with them what it's like for you to not have those boundaries, how it affects you, how it affects your relationship. Um, and, and you know, but, but once again, that's something that develops over time. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing to think about is, we've said this before, it takes two people to set a dynamic and only one person to change it. Mm-hmm. So just because this is a dynamic they've had, 
you know, we have this idea that like we have to keep talking about it or keep processing. Like, I have this come in all the time with people with their in-laws. Well, we told them they don't want them to do this and we told them this. Listen, sometimes words are not enough. Sometimes right. it takes action. Sometimes it, it takes you doing something and implementing something different, um, which is like, you know, maybe they don't get a key to your house. Right. Right? If you have in-laws that keep walking into your house, it sounds like they shouldn't have a key. And here's the thing. There's going to be growing pains that come with oh, this, yeah. right? Like setting boundaries, it's not it's not always an easy conversation. And sometimes it takes multiple experiences of setting those boundaries with the family in order to really set that new dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's going to take some growing pains. And so you can't, you can't have any growth without that pain yeah and to, oof god doesn't that suck that uh, uh, yes <laughs> yes like i wish that like every sort of growth would be easy me too wouldn't that be great i know i wish we had a magic pill to give everyone i know i say that to people like a wand or something yeah i tell it to my clients all the time i'm like listen like if i figure this out to heal i will all, let you know you will be the right like if I, I can get you through this pain in one session yeah but it doesn't work like uh, that. no it takes time so yeah. like and i know we pretty much say this with every question just be patient with the process. Be patient with yourselves. As you work towards it. It's not just the time that does it. It's also the action around it. Absolutely. Right? So, so time and action together. That's what does the healing. Um, all right. So now back to tips. Listen. On, tips, on, <laughs> tips on setting I was pumped mental about boundaries. This one. So you have to start then. Okay. Tips on how to set mental boundaries. So it really depends on like what these mental boundaries are. Let's say it's like anxiety. Like ruminating yes. on. Okay. Here's your example. I'm ready. Are you ready? So like I said something I, I feel insecure about. I feel like I felt some felt I said something stupid at work mm. and I can't stop thinking about it. Tell me, Jen, what are my tips? So first of all, notice the themes that come up for you in terms of how much you are, what you're ruminating over, right? Like, are you saying to yourself, oh, that was so stupid, right? Or like, oh, people are going to see me as stupid. Is it based on like what other people think? Is it based on what you think? Like really notice the themes in the way in which you're judging yourself and ask yourself, is that a familiar feeling to me? Is that something I have felt growing up? Where does that come from? Did it come from something that happened? happened in my family of origin like was there a fear around um, sounding stupid in some way Um, and and really try to get a sense of what the themes are in the way in which you're talking to yourself Mm -hmm. the more that you understand that the more you understand that it's an old feeling right and that it's something that has to do with you and not something that has to do with your external world you can really work through that and recognize oh wait this isn't about someone saying something to me at work or that isn't about um, me ruminating over something I created in my own mind Um, this is some old stuff that's coming up for me right and so the more you understand that there's old stuff coming up for you the more boundaries you can set around it So, yeah, so for me, that's, like, that's developing the inner monologue. Right. Right, that's the or inner dialogue. Is it monologue or dialogue? If it's just me. It's, it's you it's... talking to yourself. <laughs> so which one is it? Oof, that's a good, because the monologue's just talking. Yes. So it's dialogue. So it's talking back to yourself. Okay, so it's dialogue, even though it's still just me. All right, so you're in for create. We should create a new, like, word for it, yeah. though. Um, um, internal, 
internal loveys. <laughs> it's internal loveys. That's what I give to myself. That's beautiful. All right. So, right. So when you're developing your internal loveys, just kidding, your internal dialogue, um, you're able to say to yourself, you want to know what? I got to let this shit go, man. Like when I, I keep going there and like what that is, is like mindfulness. It's how to meet yourself and not take it with judgment. Thoughts are just thoughts. They do, they are not facts. Mm-hmm. They are not anything. They are, don't have to be set in stone. They're just thoughts. Just the way that you would see, like, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> first I was going to say an ocean wave, and then I was going to say, like, trash on the street. Like, when you would just see a just piece. Just you would see a piece of trash rolling on the street. A when you'd see, like, trash. Yeah, a tumbleweed. <laughs> okay, right? So, like, you would see, like, an ocean wave come in and go back out again. We do the same thing with our thought. A thought can come, and we do not have to hold on to it and internalize it. A thought can come. We can say to ourselves, man, that wasn't interesting. It's really weird that I just dug into myself there and let it go. And a great way is to really create a visualization exercise you do with yourself mm. where you imagine it floating away i also think when we feel something very strongly whether it's shame guilt we tend to attach a lot of thoughts to it instead of just noticing okay this is a this is a feeling that's coming up for me not judge yourself for the feeling let the feeling pass it will not take over unless you give it more meaning right so your thoughts give those feelings more meaning than they have Mm -hmm. to have as opposed to just noticing this is a normal human emotion It's going to pass. So really, I think the meta thinking that we keep talking about, the internal dialogue, is essential. And sometimes that takes practice to develop. So give yourself time to do it. It, Journaling can be really helpful in that. To notice your own thoughts, write down what your thoughts are, and to constantly practice that. Yeah, if you Google, it's a great thing, Janet. And if people want to Google the CBT thought log, cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral therapy thought log, it has it set up in a really great way to do that. Jen and I both don't do a ton of CBT work, but it can be really useful in a time like this. We trickle it in. We We trickle it in. And a great book to learn more about that is is the Feeling Good Handbook, David Burns. Oh, yeah. He's great. Yes. Okay. Um, I love one. this one because it's so us. Um, <laughs> about people pleasing. It's so us. Um, tips on dealing with anxiety when starting a new job. I'm a people pleaser and very worried about my coworkers liking me and meeting expectations. Jen, would you say we have this problem as business owners? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wow, very interesting. Listen, I'm going to tell you the number one tip I have learned is do not say yes or no immediately is say let me get back to you let me think about yes. that and get back to you because I am the same thing it's so I have such an issue where I say yes to so many things because I want I, I genuinely want to be involved yes. right like there's and we get a lot of different speaking opportunities and different ways to be involved and it's really hard for us to say no because we also genuinely want, want to, to do it yes, right but it it takes up a- it takes a time. time and most things that we do like a lot of speaking things like you guys might think like you know jen and i you'll see us on different things and think it's a legit we don't get paid for the majority right. of speaking things we do there's certain ones we do get paid for um so it's hard because we have to prioritize all of that and so it's hard to say no because you want to say yes to everything so the number one thing i say is let me get back to you about that it gives me time to not please in the moment, but it's still, it's so hard for me to say no initially and to figure it out. And that going in between has really helped me and given me a lot of space. I think too, me, Emily and I are, are different in a lot of ways. This is one of the things that we're actually very similar mm-hmm. on that like both of us have this kind of people pleasing thing that we have to battle 
Um, and I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm always asking you to dig into your emotions in general, but um, to ask yourself, like, what's the worry about people being upset with you if you do set that boundary? Like, what's the concern about what they're going to say? Is it a concern about, um, you know, them abandoning you in some way? Like, notice what the concern is. Um, as <laughs> my dog just jumped on the couch next to Emily, she's been calling him the entire time. <laughs> this entire he's episode, fi- I've been trying to get him on my she's lap. Been, and he's finally, he finally here and licking her face. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just notice uh, what the fear is. What's the fear about people not liking me? How am I worried that that will affect me? Um, and and just take note of that. And is that necessarily true? Yeah. And I think, you know, especially like in a workplace, I think some of us struggle to set up boundaries and want people to like us because we think it'll lead to more success in our careers. Right. Especially with like your boss. Absolutely. Right. So like I really can understand that. And I think we have to remind ourselves that like, um, that isn't the number one thing that's going to lead to promotions and right. lead to productivity and lead to success. And you're going to have to define what those things look like for you. Right. Because it isn't just getting people to like you. You can get everyone to like you and not do shit in your career and like not get anywhere because you're also going to be so burnt out from saying yes to everything and being too, like you're going to end up resentful. Absolutely. And that's the thing is anytime there is guilt, there is anger, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the cycle of it. So here's, I'm going to like pretend you can see me and pretend you see me making a circle right now. So um, something, let's say somebody asks you for like, they say, oh, do you think you could take over this accounting? We had somebody else in another episode say, like, mm-hmm. like bookkeeping is now part of my job. Yes. But that wasn't something that's already said. So they say that you take over the bookkeeping. And you really want to say no, but you also like people-pleasing. So you say yes. yes. Now, you don't know what you're doing. You're feeling frustrated. You're feeling overwhelmed. You start getting really angry. So then you do something where maybe you react, which could sometimes be you ignore a text or something. And then really soon after, anger is guilt always. Mm. And the only thing to stop any of this cycle that's circled to stop going is boundaries. And boundaries can be, let me get back to you on that. You know what? I can't say yes at this time. Or that's going to take me away from um, my current priorities that I have to get done first. And so part of that is like we have such guilt about saying no that we have to figure out a way to say it. And so if you're just starting this journey, a great thing to say is, let me get back to you on that. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, 
Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks. Say goodbye to the cheap razor era, my friends. It's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club. Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice, the therapy group. And in haste of packing, because yours truly is a packing procrastinator, I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth, a mistake I will never make again. The Athena Club hype is real. The shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. I think that people believe, people who are people pleasers believe that they can't set boundaries and still be a nice human being or like a kind human being. And so that's something to challenge that people think, oh, if I say no to this or like that, that people are going to think I'm mean in some way or like they're going to get angry at me. So like once again, notice, notice those thoughts, those I mean, false and beliefs. I, and I do think it, it is socially constructed with women more. Oh, yeah. Right. Like women are really taught to say yes and to be accommodating and to be super flexible. And so there's so much guilt associated Mm -hmm. with that, especially if in our family of origin, you weren't allowed to put up those boundaries and have that independence and autonomy. This is something you're going to have to work through. Absolutely. Um, All right. Is it okay to have more of a surface level relationship with my mom due to the fact that we both struggle with anxiety and depression? Hard to have a deep conversation when she says she can't handle me. Yes. I I love you, first of all. Right. Whoever wrote this. Thank you. Thank you for writing this in. This is not easy. And so, I mean, I can answer this first. Yes, please. Yes, it is okay to have more of a surface level relationship with your mom. There's no one who says just because it's your mom, you have to have a specific type of relationship. The ideas that we have about the types of relationships that we're supposed to have are socially constructed. And we don't choose who our parents are. We don't choose um, the kind of relationships that we have, right? And so to it is okay to have any sort of relationship with a family member that works for you. 
Mm-hmm. And to allow that relationship to evolve. It's okay for it to be more surface level right now. And it doesn't mean they have to stay that way. And you get to switch and keep going. It doesn't have to be a phase. It could be an evolution. And so keep thinking about how do I want this to evolve? And if you feel like um, we have this understanding that other people are supposed to be there for us, right? Like, you know, well, especially if they're our family. Oh God, I mean, especially if they're our parents, yeah, right? Yes. Like, like, oh, well, they're supposed to be there to support us. And like, sometimes people are just people and they can't meet us there. And one, I think you're going to have to give yourself some space to grieve that. Maybe grieve the relationship you thought you could have with your mom yes. or your expectations of what parents are able to do for you. Um, and say, okay, so I'm going to have to maybe reparent myself a mm-hmm. little bit. And I think that reparenting and inner child work is incredibly helpful. Absolutely. For and, things like this. And, you know, something we talk about all the time is, once again, you don't choose the family that you're born into, but you can you can create a chosen family mm-hmm. for yourself through friendships, through different relationships. Um, you can get certain needs fulfilled in those relationships or certain connections fulfilled that maybe you can't get in your relationships with your parents. Um, and so it's working through that process too, that idea that we need to have a specific type of relationship with our parents. Yeah. And maybe that's not always possible. Yeah. All right, best resource to find a therapist in my area. So we say this a lot, psychologytoday.com. You can Google, you can go to, Jen and I are both LMFTs. You can go to um, aamft.com and there are licensed MFTs in your area. You can do by zip code. Listen, the most important thing is there's a lot of letters behind the name. There's a lot of details. Basically, everyone's thing kind of sounds the same. It's an honor and a privilege to work with you. It's what ours say shit too. And we truly mean those things. It's not bullshit, but it all does when you it are. It sounds the same. We both know from even like continuously looking for. It's hard to find a therapist when you're in the field because you know so many therapists. So like every good therapist I want to go to, I'm like, I already know that person. Right, right. So you have to like beg people to take you on. My therapist now, I had to like email being like, I know we know each other professionally. Can you please take me on? Here are the boundaries we can implement. Like I really need to work with you so um it's a little bit of like trials and tribulations going through that the most important thing is do you feel safe with them and do they have do they understand for what you're looking and for and do you feel connected yes, to them if you have a very specific thing if you really want trauma work make sure they have experience and you're allowed to ask what's your experience in trauma healing what's your experience in infidelity what's your experience in couples work are you specifically trained in couples work a lot of therapists say that they're sex therapists or do couples work and they don't actually have that um so you know i would totally ask that information yes and make sure it is okay to give therapists a call and say i want a 15 minute free consultation and just because a therapist has a following on social media doesn't mean they're a good therapist right (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna let's be really clear about that we know therapists that put stuff out on social media that we would never refer to and there might be people who are good therapists that you just don't feel a connection with absolutely and the one thing that we know is research tells us that the most important predictor of success in therapy is the therapeutic relationship so so yeah it's important for them to to know what they're talking about um to be skilled in in the things that you want out of therapy but also for you to have and be able to build a connection with them Mm -hmm. right so if like it's important for your therapist to be down to earth to to use some humor in your therapy that's important to look for in your Uh in your phone calls and i think to also think about what site they're working at right if you're someone who deals with a lot of passive suicidal ideation you might want to work more with someone in a private practice because people in agencies sometimes have just stricter reporting mandates Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? That like people yeah. in private practice can maybe dig more into yes. that passive suicidal ideation where someone in an agency might be like, oh, I do have to report this. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to ask if there's certain stuff like that. Um, you know, especially I get that a lot with postpartum moms mm-hmm. that are going through postpartum depression and have some of those thoughts. Um, and it's not really helpful to send somebody to the hospital when it's yes. just like a normal passive suicidal ideation but yes. certain places you know we ha- listen we also have like legal and ethical obligations um that we have to abide by so that's something to think about is like mm-hmm. what um site are they practicing out of and what are those regulations there and if you're looking for someone who takes your insurance you can yeah. call your insurance company and ask them for a list of in-network providers um and they can provide you a list of of practitioners in your area mm-hmm. which is gonna be a lot faster than emailing therapists saying do you take my insurance right because a lot don't because a lot don't yeah i mean we don't right it's a really it's a typical thing and that's because not because we're assholes but because insurance reimbursement's garbage for therapists <laughs> right, right. it's just like we just get right. like totally fucked to take insurance right. unfortunately so we don't um but you can ask for a sliding scale but you know at the end of the day like we provide a service and i think people um sometimes do not prioritize um financially paying for their mental health mm-hmm. and think that it should be lower fee mm-hmm. but really like we all work very hard and we love our clients and we take it very seriously and that's why those fees are associated that way absolutely okay all right next one how to help a partner understand anxiety panic attacks when he or she has never experienced <laughs> this either is a Jen question. personally <laughs> Jen, would because you say that again? Would, would you say this is something you have gone through in your relationships? Absolutely. Um, a couple of things. I mean, something it, it, to expect them to completely a hundred percent understand what you're going through is not going to happen, right? Like they may never be able to fully understand what it's like to feel that kind of panic to understand it, but. Your, but to communicate with them what you might need in those moments. Once again, as we keep talking about, it's not your partner's job to heal your, to, to help you cope with your anxiety, but there's an opportunity to create a space within your relationship that if you are having a panic attack, um, that they can be there for you. They can, they can rub your back. They can just create some sort of like safety in your relationship to be able to say, this would be really helpful for me while I'm having a panic attack. Or what's the best way that I can communicate with you that I'm feeling a panic attack coming on? Um, and that, that you can either, you know, once again, I keep saying rub my back, give me some sort of physical touch mm-hmm. or like, even if you need space, some sort of space. Um, I think too, to ask them, like, is there ever a time, you know, to help them understand, is there ever a time that they felt a uh, worry or stress? Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes people don't identify anxiety in the same way. Like yeah, they yeah. might have felt anxiety, but not have been, not be naming it as anxiety. Mm-hmm. They might name it as stress. Um, they, they might, you know, overwhelmed in some way. And so, so it's possible they have felt it, but don't understand that it is anxiety, um, because they weren't given the, the words. And I think it's really helpful. I know we've talked about it a million times before because we're huge fangirls, but Emily Nagowski's book, Come As You (laughs) Are, yeah, Come As You Are, and then Burnout talks really well about the stress response cycle, which I think talking about it in that physiological way can be really helpful. And actually, on next week's episode we have an amazing anatomy and physiology so professor excited. coming on to talk about some of this stuff so hopefully that will give you guys all some more information mm-hmm. she's gonna be amazing she's super cool um all right how do i deal with a competitive co-worker Oof. so like i have to tell the story jen please i have to tell a story that jen and i had a co-worker who i just i think something she hated me um i mean <laughs> <laughs> she's something about me 
really triggered her and she would do this thing this is how we, this is how i always knew that she like there's just something she would always make a comment on my age right so i'm a year younger oh, yeah. than jen is um and she would always like have to somehow throw that in you know like she would just say casually, like oh god like i always just forget how young you are and like the funniest part was like i was like three months younger than yeah. her but like it would be brought up all the time and initially i would like say to jen be like what the fuck she's such an asshole why is she saying this and a lot of my reactivity towards her comments was that i was younger in the field and felt had such severe imposter syndrome and and, and was, she targeted it and she targeted it right yeah. like but really it was her own stuff but it just happened that her own stuff hit something for me oh, yeah. as well right oh, yeah. so like if that wasn't something that I already was sensitive about I don't think I would have cared as much but mm-hmm. it really targeted something that I was mm-hmm. fearful about mm-hmm. um and how did I, I dealt with it by not doing anything and completely shutting down. So don't do what I <laughs> talking did. Talking to me about it. <laughs> talking, talking to you, but we didn't, like, like nothing came from it. But right. I think I finally was able to just, like, it became so, honestly, it happened so regularly that I just got used to it and I was able to, like, let it go. Mm-hmm. But it really got me very upset, mm-hmm. I would say, initially. So one of the things I would say is, who is the competitive one in this situation and what do you think it is that's happening and yeah. is it hitting something for you? And and what are your thoughts? Obviously, you can't fully figure this out, but is there something that's happening for that person where they're being triggered, right? Yeah. And that's why they're being so competitive, right? Yeah. To, to deep, it, it helps you to depersonalize it in a way to understand that like the reason why people react in this competitive way is there's something going on with them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing something that's triggering something that's going on with them. Um, but to really be aware that when people have these types of reactions, like there's something internally that's happening for them um, that they have to work through, that they might not work through. Um, but it's coming out in your relationship with them. And so how can you work on your own sense of what's happening for you to work on your reactivity um, and recognize that their reaction to you is something that's happening for them? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think, you know, the other thing to think is like, how do you join with them? Oh, yeah. Right? Especially if you have to work together. At the end of the day, you have to find some way to collaborate. Mm-hmm. So you can find something to join on. You know, we do this thing where we we always think, well, I'm not going to be nice to them because they're not nice to me. Right. And we can choose to be more conscious and have a higher level of consciousness regarding that. We, we like, get competitive back. Exactly. Right? So to say, like, you want to know what? This person is cl- clearly struggling in some way. What is something we can join on? Maybe it's trashy television. Maybe it's you both love fucking pizza. And um, <laughs> let's order a pizza together and right. watch trashy television. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't mean you have to hang out on a Friday night, but to find some sense of joining. And I think eventually that's what I was able to do with this person. And then it all came crashing down anyway. So it really didn't matter. But <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense, that's like all we can do is tr- sort what do you of feel say like you joined over. What do I feel like we joined over? I I feel like we uh, we had a few shared clients yeah, that I think yes. that we were able to join over, and I think um, uh, that's a great question. I, I know, can't... I know. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot there. Yeah, I don't know. It was so long ago now. It was you know, a long it, time. It was ago. a really long we, time. We, ago. I think we blacked I, yeah, it out. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, it was such a long time ago now. I really can't remember, but. Um, I'm able to look back now and not have any feelings right. of ill will and just feelings of like, God, that was like a really sad person. Yeah. That's how there I, was something going yes, on with yeah, them. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's how I can see it. And and then there's also some guilt that I can sometimes feel that I didn't do enough to help that person, but mm. it really wasn't my job. Right. But you know, I'm a fixer. Um, <laughs> I'm a fixer. Okay. And on to the next yeah. one. Um, I'm enjoying my unemployment. Is that wrong? Heck no. No, of course you it's are. It's information. 
Ooh. Everything is information. Yes. Right? So that's what it is. So to say to yourself, gosh, why am I enjoying this so much? What do I need? And maybe you really needed a break. And like we said before, rest is productivity. Rest is good. Rest is success. So maybe you really needed a break and maybe the field you were in or whatever you're doing or the environment really wasn't safe for you and it wasn't helping you to heal mm-hmm. and grow and become your best self and take all of that as information to say, what do I want for my next chapter? Because mm-hmm. it needs to be different. Also, and why, where did you get the idea that that is something that's wrong? Mm. Right? like Capitalism. Is, capitalism. Okay. It's always capitalism. Oh, well, we figured and it out. Patriarchy. <laughs> and the patriarchy. <laughs> um, um, last question. Last question, guys. How do I figure out what I am meant to do for work? I don't know what I really like or I'm good at. Okay. I have a thought behind yes, this. Yes, I would like to hear your thought, Jen. Um, I think noticing the times that you feel most like yourself right mm-hmm. like what are you doing like like one of the ways that I as I talked about in a uh, past episode I was in the business world in New York City before I became a therapist and I was absolutely miserable yeah um, it just wasn't for me I didn't like that we were like only working towards like making money like that was like the main goal and I had no idea what I wanted to do but what I did know is that I was very much pulled towards talking to people about what they were going through well, like and also don't you think one-on-one like you're someone yes. who's so much better one-on-one so much better right, right. Like, and i think that's something just to, to know about yourself is like environmentally am i energized through larger crowds yeah. am i energized through larger groups am i more energized one-on-one and that's like that is really helpful to know like you want to know what yes. for you being one-on-one is really helpful. so energizing yeah. right like so after I see clients now I have so much energy right like it mm-hmm. just feels um now that I'm doing sessions at home well, and times that Jen and I have run a group together she like wants to die I like I'm so I so many people it's just people it's just too much I I, I think that I'm pretty empathetic so I take on too much when there's too many people in the room and so it's harder for me to set those boundaries for myself Um, but now that I'm working from home um, I will go I'll be like oh I have to go see a client I'll go upstairs and I'll go into our bedroom because that's where I see clients um, virtually and and I come down to like give myself a break and my husband sees me he's like you are so happy after clients (laughs) (laughs) it's like you're in a completely different mood I'm like I know like I enjoy you know it's something I enjoy I feel I feel like I can be completely completely myself so bring it bringing us back to the question um notice the times where you feel energized like what are you doing what feels good for you um sometimes that doesn't always translate exactly into a career but what are the aspects of what you're doing that feel really good for you um and sometimes sometimes we can find that you're very lucky if you can find it it's great you can go after it sometimes maybe it doesn't translate into um, something that you're going to make money from. Maybe it it's it's your career just has to be a way to make money and you can find fulfillment in other things. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, to just find a space for you to find that fulfillment Absolutely. in what feels right for you. And then, uh, listen, that was perfect. My other thing I'll say is a great book, What Color Is Your Parachute? Talks about sort of finding jobs, looking at that. There are people that do career coaching. There's people that help with this. If you need assistance, it's okay to ask. We have this idea that our, we're supposed to know our passion, know what we're obsessed with. Th- that's bullshit, man. That is like was just like culturally sort of put on. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think it has to be like that. So, hey, we have to end. We have to end. We're out of time. Thank you for joining us. Listen, every Sunday on our Instagram, at String Chicks, we're doing um, uh, Instagram Q&As that we answer the next day. You can always enter into... We're going to do this once a month where we just answer anything you guys want because we just keep getting so many questions. 
Um, we love to answer that. We love and we love it. So so yeah, Thank I have nothing so else much. to say. Thanks for I, being here. Okay, I have to say, take care of yourselves. Yeah. right. It's not an easy time. So what are you gonna do? To take care of yourself today, Jen? Oh God! You're Probably gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk around outside. Yeah, you're gonna take a nice. Walk I need with to the be dog. outside. Yeah. I'm in. We're in Westchester today, mm-hmm. so I can luckily get some yeah, air and get, get away. some space. Yeah, it's space because the city is just too. And much, walk yeah. Louie around. He's gonna be thrilled. Yes. So that's what I'm gonna do. What are you gonna do? Um, what am I gonna do today? So I am going to. I'm finishing. You know, I'm redoing my mailbox right now. Of course, I, I didn't like my mail. <laughs> Very so important spray, thing. So I spray painted my mailbox this morning. I what color did you spray paint? I spray painted Nate. We just put new shutters up on the house Navy. that we trash picked because mm. we do like you know. We should start like an HGTV I, show. We're such fucking hippies. Um, <laughs> it's sick. So yeah. So I, I'm spray painting our mailbox and sanding down and repainting our mailbox. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Wish I could do that. Do you though? No. Do you? Definitely not. I, I would do that. And then I'm totally taking a bubble bath tonight. I took one last night. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Fine. Jen and I both take a lot of baths, I will Constantly. say. We take a lot of bubble baths. You know, baths. that's something we say in like self-care. And then we're like, yeah, take a bubble bath. It's because we're doing it all because the time. we're doing all the Yeah, we love bubble baths. <laughs> so anyway, all right. We'll stop rambling. Hey, Thank you so much. Thanks we love you. Here. We'll see you next week's episode. Take care of yourself. We love you. Bye.